Hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey podcast. We are two Reformed Southern Baptists who desire to speak the truth of the gospel to the heart of the culture. We're also proud members of the Biblical and Reformed Network. If you would like to support our growing podcast, you can do so several ways. One, you can leave us a comment and share our podcast on your social media. Two, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And three, you can follow the link in our show notes to find all of the other ways that you can support us and connect with us. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love." Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Well, hello and welcome to the Locust and Honey podcast, everybody. My name's Andrew. And I'm Matt. And today's episode 47. We are going to have a good episode today. Are <laughs> I we? I think. Um, What's it going to be about, Andrew? It's going to be <clears throat> about all sorts of things. Okay. Um, things that. I feel have um, been, I don't know, been pushed upon us or me. So we're speaking out by of different the ways. overflow of our hearts today. I should say, yeah, that'd be a good thing, yeah. We could title this the, the Overflow. Right, The Overflow. All right. Yeah. I like it. Um, cool. So. <laughs> you look very professional today. When Thanks. I look over at you with your super bougie earphones on. Yeah. I'm used to you having your little, little not so great yeah. earphones on. They would hurt my ears, so I had to switch it up. Yeah, now you look really professional. Yeah. I feel like I have to step my game up today. The funny thing about these headphones is they actually came with a piano, a keyboard piano that I got for Christmas one time. Yeah. So that's just that is funny that is funny that is one funny thing about them <laughs> that is a I didn't funny even thing. go and purchase them I just they came with a keyboard that I got for Christmas that's hilarious yeah I know <laughs> <laughs> the more I think about it the funnier it gets <laughs> it's, yeah um, well since we're full of jokes today <laughs> yeah <laughs> let's affirm and deny some stuff you want to start us off okay or do you want me to um no, I can go. Okay. I can go. Um, I will affirm. Uh, okay, hold on. I forgot. You need to go. <laughs> I had it in the car right over here. 
Well, I was like, right, I know I'll, what I'm affirming and denying, and now go. I've got to fish for it again. All right, I'm going to affirm. Okay. Uh, I've affirmed something similar, but this is going to be a little bit more in-depth, a little more down in the weeds of my previous affirmation. All right, I'm affirming specific goal setting. All right, so what a lot of people do. Well, in my previous uh, aforementioned affirmation. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we affirmed goal setting, and it's kind of like aiming mm-hmm. and shooting. You're not just shooting from the hip, but you're aiming at something. Right. Most people don't set goals, and uh, therefore, when they never achieve the goals they set, they don't feel bad. Uh, but out of those that do set goals, what I've noticed is a lot of people to protect themselves set unrealistic goals. So, you know, you got a nine-year-old that's playing baseball and he's like, well, my goal is to be a MLB player, right? Yeah. Um, but he's not setting goals that are productive and helping him where he's at now and in life in the future, you know, he's now some, some people, um, we just watched the, the Heisman, uh, trophy ceremony the other day. And, and that guy, he set a goal that I'm going to be the best quarterback that I can be. And therefore every week is scheduled out. I'm waking up at right. five 30. I'm going to the gym. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm doing my homework. I'm spending time watching film. I'm spending time weightlifting. I'm spending time, all that stuff. Right. Um, but that would be specific goal setting. And uh, what most people do, though, is they just set these unrealistic goals so that if and when they don't achieve those goals, um, then it's no big deal because that was right. never a realistic goal anyway. Um, so for me, uh, we've been working out um, for the past year or so, year and a half almost now, huh? Somewhere in there. Yeah. What do you like say? That. I think it's a year. That we've been lifting weight. We've been running and stuff for longer, but then yeah. we got into actually weightlifting about yeah. a year ago. And uh, one of the goals that I had for myself was I wanted to get to a particular weight and started off really good, lost like 30 pounds. And then for the past, I don't know, six or eight months, I've kind of been at that exact weight uh, that I lost down to. So I've not gained weight back. Uh, I'm gaining muscle. But I, I haven't lost anymore. And so what I've decided to do with specific goal setting is um, my, my new goal is every week I'm going to lose two pounds. And so I wrote down in the bathroom on a, uh, on a notebook that I've got my two-pound goal, and then I set out the weeks, and I weigh myself every week on the same day. And what the projected weight should be if I lose that two pounds or not. And what I found is it's hard to say I want to lose, I don't know, somebody, say somebody's got to lose 100 pounds, right? That's hard. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean, you're like, okay, I got to lose 100 pounds. So if you lose 10, you're like, man, I lost 10 pounds this week. But then you're like, ah, I got 90 pounds to go. Right. You know, and so people get defeated in that. But what I found is with, with my goal, uh, two pounds a week, I know where I'm at and I know, okay, I've got to get two pounds. So if the things that I'm doing are not beneficial to me losing that, that two pounds that week, I can see it on the scale, you know, um, during the week and know, okay, 
today and tomorrow, I've got to eat better. I've got to go on a walk or I've got to work out or I've got to whatever it is. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, it's taken the big picture of I've got to lose X amount of weight and it's, it's taken it down to this micro level of this week, I've got to lose two pounds, Mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, and right now I've got a pound and a half to go. So what am I going to do today? That's going to help towards that pound and a half, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so I've, I've been doing that for a couple of weeks now and it's been, uh, successful. And if I stay on this, I know at my end date on this day is when I'll reach my, my weight goal, you mm-hmm. know? Um, so whatever you are doing in life, it's important that you have a goal. Um, and I'm affirming having goals, but more specifically having a specific goal, uh, that, that you can take that week, something you can put on the wall and look at and say, uh, you know, and, and instead of, so like, I want to write a book, right? That's a huge goal. You've got to break that down to, okay, this week I'm doing this. Right. And then next week I'm doing that. And next week I'm doing that. And as you're checking off those smaller goals, uh, they're pushing you to your larger goal. And so uh, that is my affirmation. We all should be having specific uh, goals that we're setting for ourselves. Uh, and, and like what you're doing, you know, so if you say, hey, I want to read the Bible. Mm-hmm. um that can you can get lost in the weeds of Leviticus right you know in numbers um but if if you've got a specific thing that says okay today I've got to read these four chapters um and then tomorrow I've got to read these three chapters you know that's a lot easier just breaking that down and and why am I doing this well I'm doing this to be able to put the Bible into context and you know um right. and and so, uh, just having those specific goals, I think is beneficial in our Christian walk. But then as God created us, it's uh, beneficial as well that we have those for our families, for our jobs, for whatever. Yeah. So I think I'll, I'll, I remembered my affirmation and it kind of riffs on that a little bit. Riff um, so I have actually been able to finally see, um, kind of results from, like weightlifting and stuff like that. Are you getting swole? I'm not getting swole, but that's the thing. Are you thing, getting though. jacked? No, I'm just getting oh. stronger. Hey, and that's the thing. So, like, so, I guess this is where it kind of stems off of what you were saying. A lot of times, in like previously, when I would set goals, it was so that I it was for kind of a a not like a surface level purpose, but like you want to okay. look sexy in the mirror. Well, no, but like, so like a lot of my like physical training in life has been specifically for like baseball, you know? Mm -hmm. So like training for that, like wanting to be good at that and wanting to do all that, you've got to be strong. You've got to, and you know, and so like you've got to train hard for it. And, um, I found that when I stopped playing baseball, I didn't really know why I should like Exercise. stay in good yeah. shape. You know what I mean? Like I was kind of struggling to find a reason to do that. Cause it's a hard thing to right. do. Like can, unless you actually have like a real strong reason to do that. It's hard to, for me anyways, it's hard to maintain. Like I would go on certain spurts of like, okay, I'm going to work out with my buddies from college and we'd go right. to the gym and stuff. And like, you know, we'd, we'd, I don't know. Like it just wouldn't last very long because there was no like, 
big reason that was deep right. as to why I was doing it, you know? Your why. You didn't have a why. Right. Um, and so I find that right now, and I talked about this before, but like my goal is to get myself to a place where I'm like better in all the aspects of being a biblical man by the time I'm 30, essentially. Yeah. Like I want to say in these pre previous, in my late twenties, I by the time I'm 30, I want to look back on the time I was 25 and say, man, like that's, that's, we've come a long way, yeah. you know? Um, but that includes, um, physical strength as well. I've yeah. never included that really in that picture. I've always kind of thought that about myself as far as like spiritually or things like that. And I never really saw the need for like physical strength yeah. as a man. Um, not that I didn't see the need, but like I thought, well, you know, <laughs> right. it's fine. Um, but I think one of the things that's really helped me is to say, okay, I've my goal is to be a pastor of my house, the protector of my house, the provider of my house. I, In order for me to protect my house, I've got to be strong. You know, right. In order for me to provide for my house, in some situations, I've got to be strong, um, physically. Yeah. And and this isn't necessarily one of those things where like, okay, if someone's got like a physical ailment, like, okay, you you that's right. a different situation. But like, yeah. I think that that I'm going to affirm that is that being the why that I've that I have kept to working out, and I'm also going to affirm the fact that I've really like I've done maxes lately, and I've really started to see strength results now not necessarily body results my body looks pretty much the same as it did but like strength wise like i've gained 40 pounds on my maxes right in a span of like three months yeah you know and so that's like that's really cool for me to see because i didn't get that kind of results training for baseball yeah you know and so it just kind of goes to show at least for me like i feel like when you've got a deeper why you're doing whatever you're doing your discipline in that's going to be that much better, you know? Like even my why for, for baseball training, it was like, okay, I want to go to the big leagues. And then it was like, well, when it seemed like I may not do that, then it was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. What am I, why am, why I, am I doing this? You know what I mean? Like I love baseball, but like, do I love it that much? You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> but um, I don't know. So anyway, I'm going to affirm the results that I personally have seen from the results of putting like goal setting like you're talking about. Yeah. Um, that's just kind of, I don't know. It's been yeah. cool. Well, no, and strength is, is a key component in all of that. So like providing, <clears throat> I know when me and Elijah shot that buck a couple weeks ago, we were like a mile in the woods and yeah. having to drag a 230 pound <laughs> buck out of the right. woods. <laughs> I, I I thought I was gonna die with the with the lodge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's eight. But, uh, luckily, yeah. there was uh, some friends that that we know that were out there duck hunting that day, and uh, I was able to get them to come help me. Yeah, but yeah, man, it smoked me. Yeah, or like hog hunting and running through the woods right. in the middle of the night, like takes strength. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. Well, that's awesome. All right, denials. You want me to lead again? Sure, because I okay. feel like mine's going to go into... Uh-oh. Don't do it. Do it, too? Well, I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know, I don't know where we're going. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, why don't you go first? We're overflowing. That's true. Out of things that have happened in your life. <laughs> That's true. So That's I'm, true. I'm here for it. Okay. Um, I'm going to deny Disney Plus. Oh. 
And uh, specifically, <laughs> I don't know how to deny that? <laughs> I'd like to deny that, but Emma likes it so much. <laughs> I I I hate it yeah. now. Um, so we went to Disney not too long ago, and I know Disney's been pushing. You know, we're gonna be pro transgender and we're gonna be pro LGBT and all this stuff. Um, so I was apprehensive taking my kids, but really, what I found out was that was a good. We had a good time. Um, yeah. There, we kind of got to curate our experience. You know what I mean? And so I'm with the boys and uh, me and Tiff and the boys. And then my mom came and my sister and her husband and his daughter. Um, so there was a group of us. But we had a good time together. You know, yeah. we got we rode the rides. We um, hung out at the pool. We got to spend time together as a family and all that stuff. And um, we had a, a, a good time. But Disney Plus, on the other hand, is a different beast. Um, they're straight up pushing the agenda they said they wanted to push. Oh yeah, you know, I um, I watched two shows recently just to kind of see what they were gonna be like, and I didn't have to watch very long to know that <laughs> we we're we're getting rid of Disney Plus. Um, we talked about the whole Satan Santa thing the other day. Yeah. Um, but I watched they did a remake of Willow. Well, not a remake. They're doing like a new series of Willow. And you're not as old as me, so you probably never saw Willow. No. But uh, out of the way, Peck. My name's not Peck. My name is Willow. No? All right. <laughs> no. Anyway. Sounds um, funny. Which, going back, I had the boys start to watch that, and I was like, oh, this is pretty witchy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's... Uh, so, they were too... They, they, they didn't finish it. But, uh... Watched the new season of Peck, or not Peck, of Willow. Peck is the the derogatory name they call Willow. Okay. Is a short wee man. <laughs> and, uh, but he's, you know, this, anyway. Uh, in the first, like, episode or so, maybe first two episodes, you you have uh, the the female one of the female lead characters who's this princess and she's in love with this other girl that's the first woman knight for the realm and uh, so they're in love and they're kissing on each other and then uh, they come in contact with like I guess it's like a trans well not a non-binary I don't know maybe trans I don't know it's this these two ladies that are in the woods and one is like strapping with like overalls and like a flannel and like an axe and chopping wood and stuff and uh has a, a more masculine name yeah. but anyway so they're pushing that and then i also watched uh they did a new um uh what was the movie N- national treasure mm-hmm. uh they they have done a new series of National Treasure as well. And um, one of the girls goes into the male bathroom and a cop is in there and she's talking about how, you know, the whole, why are you assuming my identity when we all know that gender is fluid and um, all that stuff. And then also talking about how, uh, you know, the male patriarchy and, suppression of women and all that so with both of those uh, this week i've watched both and was uh, disappointed in both yeah and um 
So yeah, I'm 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 over Disney Plus. I think it's garbage, hot garbage. And uh, so if anybody's wanting to boycott Disney, that would be the way to do it. Is just don't leave your kids unsupervised with Disney Plus because they are definitely preaching an agenda and a message and what they believe to be right and wrong. Um, even if they do it in a jokey way, they're right. still uh, very much truthful That's about what they believe. Yeah. So, um, so that is my denial, Disney Plus. You know, what's interesting is the new series are of everything that they make are awful. Like, not just well, like from that standpoint, yeah. but from just the storyline standpoint. Yes. Like, it, horribly it's, done. It's, and, and it's because I think they're just lazy. They're just looking to make money. Yeah. Instead of creating a new original storyline, uh, they're just going to these that were old and successful and trying to piggyback off of them. Right. If I, if I use, you know, this, this successful franchise and then write a cruddy story about it, uh, I'll still at least get views. You know what I mean? Right. So, but like even the Star Wars, like the live action Star Wars, like episodes like yeah. what, seven, eight, and nine. Well, it's, it's, since, were done by Disney yeah. and they were, there were massive holes right. in them, that, yeah. like stuff that didn't make sense, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, so it's just laziness on storytelling and, um, and more so pushing agendas than actually producing right good stories. Yeah. So. Um, well, my denial is going to be the amount of, of, I guess, the church today. I'm not denying them. I'm denying this thing. Okay. Um, the amount of people in the church today who assume that theology outside of the pure justification by faith gospel um, is either unattainable as far as learning it or yeah. is not important. Okay. Explain. I would say that theology matters much, much more than people think as far as not just what you believe about the gospel, as far as justification by faith, but so also like before we, before you continue, just kind of to define theology for some that might they understand the word but don't have a working knowledge of what we're talking about. Theology is theo, God, ology, like what we know. Yeah. So what we know about God, what right. the Bible says, who God is, um, systematically or just from beginning to end, like what does the Bible teach us about who God is, who we are. Um, theology of, you know, I mean, you've got all kinds of systematic theologies right. through scripture. Um, but when you're talking about theology being important, you're talking about the digging into what we know about God. So soteriology, what we know about salvation, mm -hmm. um, you know, the end times, what we know about all of that, um, eschatology, you've got just all kinds of yeah. different things that we know and that's founded in God's word right. for us as believers. God has revealed himself through his word. And so, um, that is massively important is what you're saying. Yes. And okay. it all matters greatly. Um, like 
it like so what you believe about the end times for example that matters because yeah. it matters in how you see events in the world it matters in how you teach your children about events in the world it matters in how you view um things like going out and sharing the gospel it matters in how you um prepare your children to be parents it yeah. matters in all these ways and then you've got also um I saw a, and the reason I guess this is, there were two reasons why this is on my brain. All right. One is I saw this morning the beginning of a documentary. I didn't really watch it a ton because I could tell, I don't think it was done by believers. So I, I, I was kind of, I wasn't, anyway, it was about mega churches. Uh-huh. Um, and so this person who I think, he seemed to profess that he was a non-believer at the beginning of the video. Right. And he was talking about like, Mega church pastors, Kenneth Copeland and and Joel Osteen and people like this. And he was pointing out the flaws of that from the perspective of a non-believer. He was using Bible verses to talk about, you know, how um, we're not to store up our wealth on earth, lay your treasures in heaven and things like this. Well, this is a non-Christian. Right. And so the amount of damage that could possibly be done, I mean, mega churches, yes, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. But the problem is that you've got non-Christians who are pointing out these things and taking, you know, understanding there might be an issue there before Christians are. And so then you've got Christians who are looking at this and saying, okay, I see that as a problem. And then, you know, this non-Christian saying all of these things, it's like the Christians seem to be sometimes caught in the middle in a situation like that without a firm understanding of what is true about how churches ought to be. Well, yeah, you know and I mean? when you say Christian, though, I, I think you're talking about a specific type of person, right? Um, that would be caught in the middle, because like I've been speaking out against mega churches for oh yeah, yeah, I'm not like years. yeah, I mean no, Christians I are yeah. So I think there are those, which goes back to what you're denying. Like there are those that take theology seriously, and what they know about God shapes everything, right? right. So what they understand the church to be, and what a biblical church should look like is structured by how God has revealed himself. He's told us, we've harped on this at, at nausea, 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 nausea. <laughs> but um, like God has commanded us in his word, how he desires to be worshiped. Right. He's showed us what the church structure should look like. You know, um, he's, he showed us how to pray. He showed us how to read his word. He showed us how to abide in him. He showed us how to be salt and light. He showed us, you know, not only who he is, but what he, what is required of us, who we are, um, how we live, how we move, how we breathe, how we think all of that's in scripture. You know what I mean? So, um, so there are those of us that get it and shape what we see around us through a biblical worldview. And then there are those that claim to be Christians that don't get it and they don't want to even dig, right. you know, um, they're just happy to, to say, well, I believe that I believe the Bible and that's enough for me. Don't fully know what that statement means, but right. that's what I believe, you know? Right. Oh, really? Well, what do you believe about this? Well, I don't know. I've never thought about that. What do you believe about this? Right. Oh, uh, well, nobody can know. We can't know who God is. The Bible says we can't know. Yeah. But it also says study to show yourself approved right. and to be able to give a reason for the hope that lies within you, you know? So like, there is a call to wrestle in the word um, and allow that to Romans 12. We're, we're going to be conformed to the image of this world unless our mind is transformed. How does that happen? 
it's renewed by the word, mm-hmm. you know? So, uh, continue. Oh, and then the other reason that this is on my brain, I should say, is because we, we got into a, a TikTok tussle over the, over the past week. Um, we both did. <laughs> I couldn't, couldn't stay out of it. it was, I probably should have, but I couldn't. <laughs> it was, uh, it was this woman on TikTok was saying that, and she was preaching, she was preaching and she was saying that cessationism is the most destructive, uh, well, heresy. to be fair, she said one of the most destructive heresies of the modern time and that it's like basically the work of demons yeah. and um, that they don't believe that, you know, cessationists don't believe in miracles and all these things and that like, you know, um, then you had, and it was just kind of a short clip. It was a TikTok video. And then on the comments, you had people saying like, yes, amen, da, 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 all these mm-hmm. things. And so I couldn't leave it alone. I said, I, I, I said, you know, uh, you were very cordial. I was cordial. Yeah. I think we talked about this last week. I feel like, I don't know. A little bit, maybe a little bit. Yeah. Anyway, I said, um, that, I pointed out, first of all, I was like, I pointed out how she's misrepresenting cessationism, which for those who don't know, cessationism is basically the idea that, um, the gifts of healing and prophecy ceased with and tongues. Yeah. With Um, with the disciples. Yes. Um, and so I was like, okay, this is where you're saying that, you know, for, like she said, they don't believe in miracles. Well, cessationists believe in miracles. It's just not that there are people walking around touching people and they're healed. Right. right? Um, so anyway, then she commented and she was like, you know, here, you know, we, we get ours, you know, what we talk about from the Bible and you're getting this from church history. And so then I was like, okay. So then I went in and I was like pointed her to like six different passages of scripture. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I say all that to say that theology matters because yep. the, the idea that, you know, um, it, it, it affects how you worship God, like the cessationism debate, right? It affects how you worship God. It affects how you pray for things. It affects how you pray for people. It affects what you tell people who are in the midst of suffering. There's a big difference in saying what actual scripture says, which is that we can rejoice in our sufferings because our hope lies in Christ and saying, hold still, let me pray for your healing real quick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's my denial. Um, and I guess, I I guess we'll get into what we're doing today. (laughs) Take it away. Okay. So I have had things pop up the overflow of our hearts. I've had things on my heart, uh, over the past several weeks that have been just a bunch of random things, not random, but kind of random. They don't really have much to do with one another. There's been several Um, topics as we're texting back and forth on ideas that we didn't have enough to do a whole show on. Right. But with our powers combined, we could probably make a whole one. We could make an episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, I guess how we want to do this, we could, I could, we could ask each other a question having to do with whatever that is and see what the other person says. Okay. Okay. So I'll go first. Good do idea. you have, do you have, Sure. Any thought? Okay. So I'll go first. I, I mean, I have thoughts. Okay. Um, so 
I am a person. This is a, I'm going to set up a situation. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm a person who had there's there's a church out there, and they are online, and they have an online congregation with an online system of church membership. Yeah. They have online meetings with pastors to yeah. try and keep keep their online congregation accountable. Yeah. They have online Zoom Bible studies with people all over the nation. Uh-huh. They have they they've got online prompts for for um th- things you can do in your community to help out the community and things like that. Yeah. Okay. Um I'm coming to you and talking to you about my church. Would you say what what would your thoughts be about my current situation? Well, my very initial thought would be this. Uh, is your name still Andrew in this scenario? Sure. Hey, Andrew. So uh, you've been telling me about your church, and uh, I would love to take you to episode twelve of the Locust and Honey podcast. There you go. It's called Meta Church. Yeah, and we deal with online church and why it's wrong and unbiblical. That's right. Um, Because God has made us people who need each other. Um, And you can't get, I mean, that's exactly what the school systems were seeing having Zoom school in 2020. They're like, huh, people just aren't getting the the same effect. Right. doing things through a computer that they do in interpersonal relationships, you know? Yeah. Um, The reason that the local church gathers together is for more than just sitting under the same preaching or uh, listening to the same Bible studies or praying together. Uh, it, It goes far deeper than that. You have, if your marriage is struggling. You can sit down to a pastor who knows you and your spouse and, and can, can speak into that. You have people that are coming by your house and, you know, that fellowshipping together, that doing life together, um, in that same local context. And then you can be the body of Christ to the people around you. If your church is made up of a guy in Portland and a guy in Seattle and a guy in Atlanta and a guy in Perry, Georgia, or right. a guy in, you know, Florida. Um, if that's your church, how do you minister to the community around you? Right. You know, you're, you're, you're taking a person's body and you're cutting it up into a bunch of pieces and sending it all over. Um, it, it doesn't function the way that it was designed to function at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, when you commune together and do the Lord's Supper, who's, who's administering that? to you, you know, and you're not doing it together. If you're singing hymns with the saints together, uh, that's completely different than listening to somebody lead worship. You know what I mean? Right. Because you're still alone. You're still, it's just you, or if your spouse is with you, it's you two watching a TV screen. There's no fellowship. There's no, um, what we see the church to be. You don't have any of that. Um, the church is more than listening to the same guy preach a sermon and giving money to that or, um, or that, that guy doing a zoom call to check in on me, 
You know what I mean? I would say the church is even more some. Uh, you can even break that down. It's more than just Bible, mere Bible studies right. that you have with a group. Yeah. Um, one of the things I was telling Emma, you know, we were kind of talking about this recently and, and I was saying, you know, why did you have, like she, she has a great relationship with the pastor of her home church back in Augusta. I was like, why did you do that? Well, because you kept his kids. You got to know his family. Right. You went over to his house and you babysat his kids. And if you you're know? sick, somebody in that church is coming to physically check on you and bring you food right. or, you know what I mean? Right. Like it's more than just the, hey, how you doing? This is what the Bible says. Let's talk about the Bible together yeah. type thing. You know what I mean? So like put it, even if you like put it in perspective. So like look at Acts, you know, you've got the church forming and then persecution comes. Mm-hmm. Let's say persecution came to America for Christians. How is MetaChurch, and I, that, I'm not talking specifically through Facebook, but like online church, how are you a community that's going to help each other? Yeah. You know, um, it, that falls apart under that. But that's not a good representation of the church then because the church can withstand anything and the church is going to prevail. You right. know, even the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Um, but that's when we are being the church as it goes back to your theology. God has specifically designed the way that the church should be structured. And one of the key components of that is us not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. Yeah. You know, so my question then to that person, though, would be, why do you feel more comfortable going to a church like that than an actual local body of believers. Yeah. You know, and, and there's going to, the issue is going to be there. That's, that's where you find what the true issue is. And it might be, they don't want the, uh, invasiveness of that. Right. You know, but that's what the church is. It's a family, yeah. you know? So it would be like me saying, Hey, I want to adopt some kids, but I don't want to ever actually see them. Right. You know, uh, I want to adopt this kid in, in Ethiopia and I'm going to pay money for them, but I don't want to ever actually see them. Well, that's not parenting. Right. Because you're not doing it. Right. <laughs> the only way you can parent is be together. Right. Same thing. The only way you can be, do, be a church is by being together. You're going through highs. You're going through lows. You're going through life together. And then those people that are, are becoming Christ to that community around them, uh, that's what the church is. It's yeah. the body of Christ in a local context of people being the body of Christ to that people. Yeah. You know? And so uh, it's more than just listening to sermons and giving money and doing Bible studies. Um, how do you do baptisms? You know? Right. Uh, how do you do the Lord's Supper? How do you do all these things? Ultimately, you're administering the Lord's Supper to yourself or you're baptizing yourself or you're... And those are key components to what the church is. Right. You know? Um, baptism, the Lord's Supper, the preaching of the word, like we've talked about this too, like what, what makes up what the church does on the Lord's day. And those are, those are key components. You have to have those elements or you don't have a church. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, you baptizing yourself with a pastor looking on a screen isn't baptism. You know what I mean? Um, and then I go back to, like I said, just if there was persecution, how does that church exist and stay and, and be helpful and fruitful? Yeah. Uh, and the church is made to persevere through hard times as well. So, um, I, I, I completely see that flopping on all of those fronts. Yeah. Yeah. 
Same. So fix yourself <laughs> is my answer. Uh, according to scripture, uh, let that define what a church is, what the church should be. And let's talk more about why you don't want to partake in a local body of believers. Yeah. You know? All right. All right. You got one? My you turn. Do you have another no, one? No, no, no. You go ahead. Um, so there's been a hot debate amongst us reformed people as of late. Um, I've heard it from a bunch of different sides, but ultimately it boils down to theonomy, mm. which is theo, God. We learned that already uh, with theology, but theonomy, uh, onomy, I don't remember the <laughs> God's law. Yeah. Uh, Probably means law. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's just specifically onomy or if there's like more to it. Um, but anyway, theonomy means God's law. Yeah. And, uh, and there's been this, this big debate. And so I figured we would give our two cents, but, uh, ultimately, What's been being argued is that those that hold to theonomy are crazy. And basically what they want to do is stone anybody that picks up sticks on the Sabbath and uh, see the death penalty for all homosexuals and stuff like that. Um, And that's a, a misunderstanding of what general equity theonomists believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so general equity would be <clears throat> when you're talking about God's moral law, all people are held to that. When you talk about civil law, um, we take the general equity of that and apply it today. Um, and most people would would reject that, but they don't know why they reject it. And in life, they don't actually reject it. Uh, they hold to it. But the the question that was recently raised was um, somebody talking about how God's moral law is binding for all people, but um, his civil law was just for those people in that time. And my ultimate question to him was, how do you enforce the moral law apart from the civil law? Yeah. Um, so how would you answer that? Well, Andrew, yeah, I would say um, you can't, you can't enforce the moral law apart from the civil law. Okay. Um, so one of the, one of the things that is often brought up in these conversations is um, Christ saying that he came to fulfill the law. Yeah. Right. But when we continue to read in that, he says, however, not a dot, not an iota, of the law will pass away or the law and the prophets will pass away. Right. Um, and so he came to fulfill the law. Yes. But that does not mean that the law is less binding. Right. Um, and so just from a pure, I mean, when you look at it, uh, theologically you can see, but also just practically you can, you, that that's the (laughs) civil law is basically the enforcement of the moral law. Yeah. You know, Um, and so, well, so let's kind of, I guess, lay out what we believe. Yeah. Um, because there's a lot of 
not so much people wondering what, hey, what does Lucas and Honey believe about this <laughs> or what's their thoughts on this? Right. Uh, but for some of you that might not have thought through all of this stuff, uh, within the Reformed community online, which is a beast <laughs> in and of itself, um, <clears throat> there's Facebook been groups. <laughs> there's been some stuff. Uh, you've got Christian nationalism uh, that's going around. And people talking about what that is, and then a lot of people critiquing that. Um, so the opposite of what we believe is basically natural law. Um, so most people would say that God has revealed himself uh, universally and then specifically, right. right? Universally, God's revealed himself through the universe, and uh, and then we have that would be general revelation. And then we have special revelation or specific revelation where God revealed himself through the word. He revealed himself through Christ becoming flesh. Um, and, and, and that's where salvation is. Mm -hmm. Universal revelation is enough to condemn, but not enough to save special revelation through God's word through Christ is the only way to obtain salvation. Yeah. And so, um, what most people would say is that through, uh, universal revelation or general revelation, God has put in the hearts of men, his moral law to know that it's right and wrong. Um, but that the civil law ceased with those people at the, that time, Christ came, he fulfilled the law. And we're no longer under the law, but we're under grace now. Right. Um, where that falls apart, though, is if the church had somebody in the local body that was caught for pedophilia, mm -hmm. right? They're not going to just say, um, you broke God's moral law. And, and we're going to pray for you and we're going to continue to minister to you so that there's healing. Right. At least they shouldn't. Right. They should call the police and that person should be charged with a crime. Right. Because they're guilty of breaking that law. Right. Yeah. So the church can still pray for that person and desire to see repentance come. And even if there is true repentance and there's this turning of sin, then the church can still you know, reach out to that person and all of that, but there still has to be the price paid for the sin. Right. You know? So, uh, if you murder somebody, you're going to go to jail. God can forgive you, but you're still going to jail because you've committed a murder. Right. Uh, but a lot of people don't hold to that. Um, when they're talking about theonomy, because what they say is, well, we don't want Christians enforcing God's law on non-believers. The problem is somebody is always enforcing law on people. The question is under what authority, right? You know what I mean? And so, um, as a general equity theonomist, what I believe, uh, and correct me if you believe differently, but what we believe is that God's law is for all people and Christ is King of Kings. He is Lord of Lords. His moral law is who he is. That's binding on all people. 
And the only way that you can enforce the moral law is through civil law. Mm-hmm. So now what I'm not saying is that we take the civil law of the Old Testament and um, and just drop that in the 21st century right. and say, okay, um, if you, you know, pick up sticks on the Sabbath, you're going to be stoned in the public square. What we're saying is that you take the general equity of how that law was established and you use that in today's context, right? So uh, it's basically a case law system um, where, which is the opposite of what our judicial system is. Our judicial system was founded on a biblical case law system, um, but now our judicial system has tried to become God by saying, here's all the wrong things that you could possibly ever do. And if there's not a law that we've already pre-thought of, then you can get out of that, right? Right. So when I was a cop, uh, if I did a DUI arrest, uh, it's going to go to court. And if that person gets a lawyer, they're going to examine all of the footage and they're going to listen to everything that I said. And if I said one thing wrong or if I did one thing out of uh, order, then that case can be thrown out because – I, uh, or like, so if you don't read Miranda or if you don't do, you know, different things, then anything that happened after that is no longer admissible. Right. Right. Um, so you can get out on technicalities and basically what they're, what, what our, our judicial system is saying is anything that can be done wrong, we've got a law for it. And if, if it doesn't meet one of these criteria, then you can loophole out of it. right? Right. Uh, what case law does is it says, okay, we're looking at the standard, which is God's law, right? And then we're looking at how God in the Old Testament through his civil law enforced that standard. So um, ways that we do that today, uh, if if your ox runs off the road and kills a pregnant woman, then you've got two charges, right? We do that with vehicular manslaughter. If I am drunk driving and I run off the road and I hit a pregnant lady, then I'm charged with manslaughter times two. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, but that comes from God's civil law in the old Testament. Uh, we've talked about the, the fence around the roof. right? Right. And if I have a pool and there's no fence and a kid falls into that pool, I'm held liable and can be charged because I didn't put that fence up. Right. That comes from, how God enforced in the old Testament, you know, um, then there's other things that the Bible doesn't specifically talk about, but you can use the general equity of that law. So if we were the governor of our state, uh, we might not say, okay, we're going to put a law in the books that says it's illegal to boil a baby goat in its mother's milk. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, because, there's not a lot of people doing that. Right. Um, but we can take the general equity of that and, and we can look and we can say, okay, um, what is that law saying? What was God saying to people through that law? And what he was saying was that the milk of a mother is life and nourishment and you can't use that which is made to bring life to bring death. Right. right. So we could say abortion is illegal in the state of Georgia based off of the old Testament. 
you know, and, and, and I would cite that verse and why this is a law today. Um, mm-hmm. Because part of God's moral law is thou shalt not kill. Why? Because God's created us in his image. And each of us have been given life by God and he's the one that can take life. So you can't use what God has created for life to become something of death, which would be the womb, right? right. Um, God has made the womb a, a birthing place for life and you can't. So the abortion pill specifically, I would use that verse to eradicate the abortion pill Yeah, because what you're doing with the abortion pill is you're taking the womb, which is the mother's milk. It's that which is created for life and you're using it to be a death chamber. Right. And, um, so anyway, so that's what general equity theonomists believe, um, is, is that the civil law is how you enforce God's moral law. Now, what does that look like? Uh, it looks different than it did back then. Mm-hmm. Back then they were pre-Christ. Um, they were, uh, bound to the law in a different way because it had not been fulfilled at that point. Right. right. So, uh, you've got somebody who's picking up sticks on the Sabbath day and he's stoned because what he did had not been atoned for. Mm-hmm. Right. And there had to be a penalty of death for breaking God's law. Right. Christ did pay that penalty and we can look back to, to that. And so if somebody is picking up sticks, sticks on the Sabbath day now, uh, that might not be, um, uh, that's not going to be a death penalty. Right. right. But, um, but, but you could, um, so like, uh, I think good examples are when you talk about adultery, um, on most of the books in American cities, there is, or at least has been some sort of adultery law, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and if you look at today, like, most places there's a, a fine for littering. And with that fine, there's also uh up to like five years in jail for throwing trash out the window. Right. But then when it comes to adultery, which God has said is a moral law, mm-hmm. do not commit adultery, um, there's no fine, there's no penalty for that. Right. You know what I mean? But that's hurting people way more than littering is, mm-hmm. you know? And so am I saying that if somebody commits adultery, they should be murdered? No, but there should be a fine for it, you know? And and there should be, uh, depending on how heinous, it, it should be, there should be a trial that takes place. You right. know what I mean? Um, and, and, and so, um, but the church is still being the church as well. So there should still be church discipline and there should be all of that. But I don't know why we would say it's okay to have a, a fine for littering, but not a fine for somebody who commits adultery. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, especially when God's law speaks specifically to one of them, but not the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where we stand with that is it's not taking God's law, his civil law, and dropping it in the 21st century but it's taking the general equity of, okay, what was the crime and what was the punishment back then? And what would that equal to today? You know yeah. what I mean? So like if somebody murders somebody, they've taken another person's life and and they have 
done something that can't be, um, you know, if I steal from you, then I can pay that back and pay tw- twice. You know? Right. So if I steal your dog, you know, <laughs> I can, I can truly repent of that and I can buy you a new dog, you know, and I've made whole what I took from you. Right. If I take your life, the only way I can pay that back is with my life. You right. Know? Um, I can be forgiven of that, but I'm still going to pay the legal price of that, which is my life because I've taken that, which I can't pay back. Right. You know? Um, so, uh, if, if, but, and then that all ties into God's moral law, you know, God's moral law, thou shalt not steal. We have stuff that God has given us and it, we ultimately have rights to that stuff. So I can't take something else from my neighbor. We can't covet. I can't want what, want what my neighbor has. I can't commit adultery. I can't steal my neighbor's wife. I right. can't, you know what I mean? Um, and, and so the ceremonial law is what enforces the moral law. Right. And we're pro, I would rather God and his word decide what is uh, a crime and what's not rather than somebody who is in the current government mm-hmm. <laughs> hierarchy. Yeah. Uh, because everybody is enforcing what they believe to be right and wrong. Right. And, uh, and so well, look but at COVID. by what standard? Yeah. And that and was I the would, question right. throughout all of COVID. Everyone was saying, well, at least all the Christians who were wanting to def- defy what was going on and what was being pushed from the white house were saying, what is your standard? Right. You know, why, what is, why, okay. So like with mandates of like. Yeah. Churches have to close down, but right. strip clubs don't have to. Right. Well, well, how are we coming up with that? Right. It's very arbitrary. Yeah. But it was, it was power and money is what was driving that. Right. And so I would rather God's word drive it than somebody's desire for power and money. Yeah. Drive it. You know? Yeah. So, um, that was a super rough run through. <laughs> <laughs> that but but that was the question um that that I, i've posed is how do you enforce god's moral law apart from the civil law yeah and uh, i don't think that you can so how would it how does it not apply then right you know is the church just supposed to say oh well you've had seven accounts of pedophilia here um shame on you Go right. You know, or do they call the police and say, you've broken a law and you need to be held accountable. Right. Physically now, as well as spiritually, you know, mm-hmm. uh, which is what God's moral law is doing. It's giving a physical account for something that's been done here. And then we will all ultimately stand before God morally and hold account. And we're either going to be found in the blood of Christ and forgiven or we're going to be found outside of the blood of Christ and we will uh, fully be um, facing the penalty for all of the sins that we've committed if we're outside of Christ. Right. But just because Christ has forgiven you, the thief on the cross that Christ for, that Christ forgave and said, you'll be with me in paradise, he was still crucified for his crimes. Right. You know? So um, that is my thoughts on all that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. A lot of these things that we talk about, um, you know, when I, when I learned them 
um, what I find is scripture clearly states these things. If you were to refute some of these things, you would have to, to the refutation would be completely non-biblical once you get to the bottom of right. it. You know what I mean? Um, like well, you it goes see back people, to your statement that yeah. theology matters. Right. You know, and it matters with more than a, a conversation in church about how this verse applies. Right. You know, um, theology matters when it comes to politics. Mm-hmm. Theology matters when it comes to what schools should my kids go to. Theology right. matters at work. Theology matters at the lunch table. Theology matters all the time, right. you know, and, uh, and, and so once people understand that and they have a biblical worldview and how they see the world around them, uh, it, it really helps you, um, to, right. to be a better member of society if you have a biblical worldview, right? because then, uh, you're, you have that right why and that right, right drive to do everything because right. I'm doing it as in to the Lord. Well, and like one of the things that I've heard, you know, with this whole theonomy debate is from the, from the other side, you get, you boil it down and it, it comes to, oh, well, you know, the nations aren't necessarily supposed to, to abide by God's law. It's like, hmm, right. You, do we, be, do we really believe that? You know, right. what does it say in Isaiah 42? The coastlands wait for his law. Right. You know, um, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, you know, baptize yeah. them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all that I've commanded. But who is that? What do you mean? That's all. Right. All, yeah. all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Right. Because of that, go and make disciples and baptize them and teach them to obey. That's a right. call to submission, mm-hmm. you know. But what are you obeying? All that I've commanded. Right. Like that's the the law and the prophets, and that's. Right. When he was sending them out, that's what he's talking about. Right. The Old Testament, mm-hmm. you know, teach them to obey all these things that I've commanded you. Right. You know, and so, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it does uh, apply to all of life, you know, so. Yeah. Did you have another one or no? Um, I did, but we, we've really Shoot talked real about it. We've talked. I mean, What was it? Well, it was just the whole... Like, you know, um, so you get the, the, the group of Christians. So when we're talking about guns, for example, okay, right. So you've got, um, you know, let's say I've got an intruder, um, coming into my house. Wanting to, and then say I've got a child or just not, I mean, just my currency. Do I just have my wife wanting yeah. to hurt my wife and myself, you know, um, and my dog, <laughs> but, um, I then, you know, have a decision to make of like, if I, if so like use be, of force, right. If a need be use of force, right. If need be, you know, would I be able to take this person's life and not be in sin? Right. Um, there are people who would say no, and there are people who would say yes. But none of that matters. What does the Bible say? Right. Yeah. And I would say that the Bible says, yes, you can take that person's life because at that point, so the Ten Commandments well, says... I, and I think there's a biblical 
use of force right. that I would use. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, is there a 12-year-old kid that's rummaging through my garage looking for oh, yeah. a scooter? Yeah, I mean, if that's the I'm case. not going to shoot that person. Yeah, it depends because on the case. <laughs> it, it goes back to the crime being just or the punishment being just for the crime. Right. So, like, when we were talking about taking God's civil law and applying it to today, uh, when the 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 penalty is more severe, you have a misuse of God's civil law. Right. Or, and that's just, and that's, that's, wicked. that's wicked to the person who's committed the crime. Right. When it's not severe enough, that's just as wicked, but that's more wicked to society. Right. Right. So, um, if I have kids that are constantly going through garages and stealing things, then the magistrate should prosecute them accordingly to the crimes they've committed because that keeps them from just committing more crime. Right. When you're like, oh, kids will be kids. They're going to do what they want to do. Uh, then you're going to have more crime that's going to ensue, right? Which is kind of what our culture is doing right now mm -hmm. is, oh, we're just going to let everybody out of prison and jails and we're not going to enforce these crimes and we're not going to enforce that. And if you're a cop, don't be proactive in these neighborhoods. Just kind of let them do what they do unless there's a real need to go in there. Um, but all that does is allows crime to breed right. and, and fester um, because ultimately it's sin, right? Um, so you want the punishment to be fitting of the crime. So if there's a kid snooping around my garage, I'm not going to just open my garage door and start blasting. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But if there's somebody in my garage and I open the garage door and shine a light on them, and they've got a gun pointed at me, then that escalates that situation. Right. right. Because now this person's here to do me harm and I have a right to life and I have a right to protect my family's life. Right. And, and me eliminating that threat for the purpose of my safety and my family's safety is the call of a masculine husband. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, uh, I, I mean, you can, and, and you can look in scripture, but, uh, the disciples carried swords with them to protect themselves on the roads cause they were dangerous, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and Peter had a sword when he, I mean, he cut the guy's ear off, yeah. you know, and Jesus didn't get onto him for having a sword, but he got onto him for misusing, uh, misusing it. Yeah. it. And so, um, yeah, so, um, I think that's kind of a quick answer to, to your question. Yeah. Absolutely. You can take somebody's life. Um, if, but, the, if right. the penalty is just to the crime committed. Right. So, um, but, and that's where you've got to think through that. Like, right. okay, well, what would, what would the criteria for me going to deadly force be as a civilian in my house? You know, mm -hmm. um, if I am a, a strapping young man and there's a, a five-foot woman at my door knocking on the door, me shooting her through the door is not going to be justifiable. Right. Not not just civilly, but biblically. Right. You know, um, but if I'm a five-foot woman and there's a seven-foot, 300-pound man trying to beat down my door, uh, you could justify that right. a lot easier because there's more of a threat to life at that point. Yeah. Um, so, 
anyway, that's kind of the... It seems like you've got people on kind of one end or the other of this, where you've got, you know, just like Christians. Well, not, I mean, and society, where you've got people saying... Well, so you've got you people know, like Piper, and Piper's right. pushed this idea that... Um, that for him to use a weapon to kill somebody is damning them. Um, but you're, you're then taking that person's salvation and making that up to you. Right. You know what I mean? Like that person has made choices in their life to get to where they're at right now to, to be threatening other people's life. And, um, uh, this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with like Spider-Man and that why that's a bad storyline. Mm-hmm. But like the whole purpose of that like metaverse Spider-Man movie, the whole purpose of that is we want Spider-Man to just like hold the bad guys until they become good again. Right. You know, but that's not the call to biblical manhood. If you look at the Old Testament, if you look at the New Testament, the call to biblical manhood, one of the calls is to eliminate threats. Mm-hmm. You know, and and protect life. Um, I, we've talked about the. Um, we've talked about dangerous but good, on here before. Uh, but then you've also got um, John Lavelle. Is he was a ranger? Uh, he lives in Georgia as well. But he's got uh, Warrior Poet Society, yeah. um, and their whole thing is Warrior Poets. Is what what he means by that is. Uh, we need to be men driven by uh, morality, uh, a biblical morality of what's right and wrong, and and men that are capable of enforcing goodness, mm-hmm. right? So if there's somebody trying to cause harm, then we need to be able to protect people right. by eliminating the threat of that harm. Mm-hmm. Um, but... And so in doing that, we're warrior poets who can love and live and enjoy life and be happy and jovial and uh, upstanding members in a society, but then also to be biblically masculine enough to be able to be the lion that's able to defend and protect um, that same society that we live in right. from, from would-be threats. You know? Right. So anyway um, – but yeah, so that's kind of my my two cents on that yeah. is um, there's there's nowhere in scripture that says uh, and and we've talked about this before, but we talked about murder mm-hmm. when we were going through the Ten Commandments, um, and when we get, we're talking about murder, um, killing somebody is different than murder. Uh, if I'm killing somebody in the military or as a police officer or as a person protecting my family, um, that's different than me going out for the purpose of murdering somebody. Right. And, uh, and so to say that Christians can't own weapons because they would ultimately could kill somebody with those weapons. Um, Christ never told that to Peter when he carried the sword. Yeah. You know, um, so, uh, I think you're adding to scripture what's not there. And in fact, you see the opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you've got David who he's got his little sheep knife and <laughs> wrestles a lion and right. kills it. You know, um, you see very menly, manly, <laughs> manly, <laughs> you see very manly men in, yeah. in the Old Testament and New Testament. 
but that were capable of providing protection. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And then with that too, just to, the end, to finish up on that, I think the other cliff that you can jump off of is um, just wanting to go and get the thrill of shooting somebody. Absolutely. Looking for somebody Absolutely. to shoot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, and, so we don't want to go down that road either. Through, but Not even thinking through right. that. Uh, a gun is a wet, it's a tool right? and I need to know what that tool's capable of. And I need to have thought through, is this something that I'm willing to do? Right. Am I willing to use this tool to its full effect? Because it can be a devastating tool. Right. right? Uh, but it can also, um, it can provide life and security and safety and all of that if right. used properly. So, uh, having respect for what it is and having thought through, um, what would be the scenarios in which uh, you would actually do that? Um, some people just like the idea of, you know, oh, if I have this, I feel tough or I feel <laughs> right. invincible. But that's not true. Right. You know, it's just a tool like anything else. And um, so have trained, have known, you know, know how how to use it well so that it is a, a tool that helps and it doesn't cause more harm. Right. So... But yeah. All right. Well, I think that's good a stuff. a good stopping point for the overflow. Yeah. Episode. If you guys are still here, uh, we love you. Hope you have a good Lord's Day, and we will see you next week. That we will. Mm, bye bye. Mm, bye bye.